Hi, I'm Mario Evan, and you're listening to Talk Trot, a weekly inspired podcast discussing the things that most people are afraid to, but from a Jamaican perspective. From relationships, sex and sexuality, to the ins and outs of entrepreneurship, in this space we speak about almost anything with the intention to inspire, educate, entertain, and create a fair and balanced space where your truth shall become your power and set you free. Check, check. Yes. All right. All right, guys, welcome to this next episode of Talk Truth. And this is me, of course, Mario Evan. And you know, there's never an episode without my father. I should say a season. So in season one, I believe I spoke to him. Maybe twice. twice, right. We spoke about our all vaginas created equal, which was my very first guest episode. And he never knew what he was speaking about, just like today. And the second time we spoke about old time Jamaica. So a little bit of what we speak about today may come back. But um, other things, <laughs> other things we spoke about as well. So, but today, to kind of contrast against my episode last week, as a Kingston-born person with rural parents, my experience of blackness and in Jamaica specifically, and going abroad was a bit different. So, those who listened to and liked that episode gave me a lot of feedback. So, I thought, why not speak to my father, who was born in 1942 in Jamaica and get his perspective of his journey coming from rural Jamaica, moving to town, going abroad and all of these things, right? So, of course, let's start at the beginning. So, um, the listeners know you were born in Westmoreland, in Moreland Hill, right? Yes. Home delivery. Most people do not know what Moreland Hill, where Moreland Hill is. Right. Yeah, if you are going to Negril from Savlamar, when you get to Little London, uh, a, a right turn take you about three miles in to Moreland Hill and like it says it is a hill you can stay up there and look all the way to the sea in Broughton right in Broughton and so I, it is between Little London and, and Negril but on a tangent and and as as I said you would have been home delivery days so you never born in a hospital you had nanas. Oh, yes, I was born on Thursday, the 27th of August at 7 a.m. by a nana called Tan Tan. Tan Tan. <laughs> All right, well, anyway, this is not so much about the history. This is about um, blackness. So when, when you were born into the world in 1942, what was happening in Jamaica at the time? We weren't yet independent. Well, that was during World War Two, Right. Because World War Two di- didn't finish until 1945. So I really didn't know about World War Two, but because it was such a short time, within a short while after that, um, all the stories about World War Two occupied the country news. And these stories were about shortages, about having to... Um, turn off um, out light, not turn off because we didn't have any electricity. Right. So if you had a lamp, you know, it, it, it should be turned off at night because if it was lit, the enemy could spot you and bomb you and all that because we weren't in the war. We had a lot of people who were um, members of the, so the British Empire. Right, right. And so they left here and they served in the war and so we were colonies, right? right? And so, I suppose, 
the enemy would hit any colony they wanted to, if they wanted to. So there was a whole lot of talk about World War II by the time, because I was like three when World War II was finished. But by the time I started to go to primary school, say, at seven, um, things started to change and that sort of talk decrease. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) What was the landscape like in terms of races in Jamaica and, 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 and how did those races fit? How did they feel about themselves in that in this context of colonization? And uh, what that means is that we in that part of the country, everybody was black. <laughs> yeah, right, right. right. So, however... No, no West Milan never have only Indians. However, have, yeah. yes, we had a lot of Indians. So, however, West Indies Sugar Company, which is um, the company that owned the Froome factory right. was the main employer of labor and all of the managers and the CEOs and even the doctor in the clinic, they were British people, they were white. And I was diagnosed of, as having rheumatic fever and I used to be taken to get a penicillin injection by the white doctor at the clinic every month. And I used to, I didn't look forward to it, I used to hate doctors. And even now, I'm not too sure if I like it. But. <laughs> <I need her. laughs> so is that, would that have been our government system, health centre kind of? Yes, yes the, the, the health centres were around. But we in that area, because the main thing was a sugar company. Mm-hmm. They had their own everything. They had a um, health centre. They had a railway line that carried the sugar cane from like Delfland, which is next door to Moreland Hill, to the factory at Froome. But they tended to the people and, in the community? But they tended to people because most of the persons were oh, their were employees. Were children of um, employees. You know, children of right. employees. Right. So you could, you could go to Savlamar, to Little London, to clinic. Mm-hmm. But you could go to um, West Indusha Company Clinic, which was like going to the private doctor. Right. Of course, you had private doctor. Right. Your, your father was mm. a sugar cane worker for father, them? My father was not a sugar cane worker for them, but he used to plant his own cane and sell to them. So you still fall under that group where, where they were a worker or a planter selling to the sugar company. So you get that sort of benefit. I even later on got a scholarship from them too. Right. But mm. as a as a young child though, mm. most times I feel, I, well, in my experience, I was saying that as a child, I never really had a racial construct. Our children kind of just grow on our phone. Well, the only... But you, you, you knew in your mind you could differentiate between races as a young child, like under eight. Yes. Well, well as I told you, the white people there were the people that were British people who work for Tate and Lyle who are the British owners of West Indies Company. Mm-hmm. And so we know them, and they were living in a, what we call now gated communities. So we never really have much mix Mixing with, with them. The, with the white, but you knew they were uh, from, from about, UK. You know, <laughs> uh, yeah, they were, we know them from UK, and we know that we didn't really mix too much because mm-hmm. they were behind their um, thing, and their children were sent to England and to Kingston to school and all of that. So there wasn't really a lot of mixing. And so race never really played a big part. The biggest white man I know was every house in the country had Jesus with blue eye and long hair for <laughs> a picture. Right. <laughs> right. It was a standard thing in the country stand- house. And eh? maybe still. Yeah, I think know? I remember seeing him. I know the picture too. He had long, mm. long brown hair yes, and he's yes. a very central portrait of him. Yeah, he looked like a hippie. Right, kind mm. of. <laughs> 
Um, what about your parents and the narratives that they taught you about race? No, what kind of stuff you? No, no, this one is interesting. Yeah, who you want to start in with? That my mother didn't um, um, subscribe to that. But my father, her, I mean, his mother was a light-skinned, long-haired woman. Mm. And he stressed all the time that we are of Scottish descent. descent. While my mother always um, said, yeah, Joker, we come from Africa, you know. And <laughs> but, so, what was her maiden name, by the way? Yeah, that, her that, maiden name that was that Malcolm. She, right. Not yes. your mother, the, your father's your father's mother. Gooden. Gooden. Um, oh, the Gooden, that's where the yes, Gooden comes from. And, and, and Gooden spelled with an E, A-N-N-E. And she would be upset if you call her Aunt Annie. And but she uh, would have had to have she, married a Guthrie. And she got or, married to a Guthrie who was Alfred. Who was black? Who was black. I mean, maybe your color. Light yeah. brown, brown. Mm, light brown. Okay, mm -hmm. that will explain some of yes, it. Right. Yes. And I see that Guthrie <laughs> yes, is Scottish, yes. which I mentioned in my episode as well. Yes. So you said, so he said we're of Scottish descent. Grand, yeah, grandma said that we are from Africa. Mm -hmm. And, and that, that was hurting. That was hurting. And she was the smarter one, as you <laughs> As you tell you, men are the smarter one. <laughs> yeah. And what else he would say? Cause I know him to be a, well, I never met him, but from mm. what you've told me, he seemed to have strong opinions. Yeah, they have strong, both have strong opinions, you know. Now, so give you a quick rundown. My father was labor writer, my mother was PNP. Mm. My mother was so PNP that she used to go on political platform. My father was a buster man and you couldn't change him. And his busterism, if that is such a word, came from the fact that Buster had come to Froome, Sugar Estate in 1938 mm. and fought for the laborers, right? And that was, that stayed in his mind that this man is a man that needs. So he looked up to him. Yeah, he looked mm -hmm. up. And so it sort of never changed. But, and so if an election day, they go and vote and they come and wave a finger at one another, one had ring the bell. One At that time, was yeah. Moist Malana traditionally a PNP parish as we knew it to be minus this last Tradition. election? No, not just this election. Sir Clifford Campbell, our first governor general, was an a West Malan MP just when Manley, not, not, not Michael Norman, mm -hmm. lost the federal election. Mm -hmm. And it was Clifford Campbell was the MP who became our first governor general in independence. So, so he would have been a... So he was one of the few labor rights right, right. in, in mm -hmm. Westmoreland, yeah. Mm -hmm. What about um, the role of church? So I, I and church as it relates <laughs> to culture and race. So and you look like your family was divergent because you have labor right PNP and you have Adventist and what was your father? Let's see again. My father was... Definitely, he's British, according to him, or Scott. Yeah. So he went to Church of England, <laughs> which you call Anglican now, right. right? But my mother used to go to Church of England too. So I used to go to Anglican first. And then my mother became Seventh-day Adventist. And a group of them literally put up a little thatch hut in our yard and started the first Seventh-day Adventist church. In Moreland Hill. In Moreland Hill. And she being Seventh-day Adventist, and he being Anglican, I'm them cool, I'm not worried about one another. I mean, when I, but I, me, I was a pressure. You suffer. I okay, suffer, have I have to go to church Saturday, Saturday and Sunday. Mm -hmm. And when my mother, no coffee, no smoking, none of that, because that's no a part pork. of the church, no pork. And when I go in church with my father, 
he used to hide his pipe and a stone, wash out his mouth, and we got to church. <laughs> and on his way back, he took his pipe, light it, and puff and go home. You know, right. um, a pipe, pipe with tobacco in it. You know, that cigarette. Yeah, mm. the church had any any role and race for you? Not really. Most of the people at the church. Um, there are some brown skinned people who used to sit up front in the church, so we don't have to have trouble. Yeah, even though it's like that, there are some front seaters at all church, mm-hmm. and that church had a few brown skinned people that they called Bakra, right? And they used to be there, but we never, I don't know, me Pe- personally, people live peacefully. People I live personally never see it as race, but the, 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 the Bakra people used to own some property and all that. And the black people in the village, most of the military laborers work for them, right? And you see your all sort of story. And they have, they employ the same black people as what we used to call the ranger. Right. So if you go and cut them cane, a ranger catch you. Ranger carry you to the white boss. And then you're in trouble because the white boss could, not, not me, but white boss could be beat your parents, don't say anything. Right. Because. Right, because of the, the, yes, the, the um, relationship. The whole relationship the, back mm-hmm. then and the, the dynamics, dynamics right. you know. But, but I thought I never really know prejudice. And uh, it's the same thing that was one of a lot of Indian. And so you had Indian and black grew up and we used to be very mean as children. We talk about coolie and them talk about nigger. And it's not. Anything derogatory is just that one getting at the other sometimes. But you, know? you made a tie with the Bakra, you you kind of said that literally what I said too, but from that stage, mm. probably coming from slavery, yeah. there's an inextricable link between brown complexion man. and wealth and yeah, social man. status. Definitely. The Bakra men or the brown men and frequently the laborers referred to them as the bigger head or the boss. So right now, that's I don't know how nobody called me no boss or right, bigger it, it, it links back to <laughs> yeah, that. Of course, it goes back to but, slavery. But I, I also mentioned, <laughs> which I think I feel like we look at um, centuries mm-hmm. and think that is a long time ago. But when you look at dilution of culture and habits and behavior, mm-hmm. uh, centuries are, are it's like seconds in a way. Yes, so it takes a I'm, long while for people what to What I'm telling unlearn. you is call it 70 years ago. Yeah. And, and, um, and we still, we still and, suffer and it, from the and, same. And we still have the same. Well, we have a lot of our people. Why you think they bleach? Yeah, like, yeah, you know? yeah, they still don't believe. I mean, I, when I w- went to university, when Rex Nickelford was like, you know, he's a cultural icon. Right. And he used to be very upset with girls straight out the year and things like that. And so that time was the days of Afro hairstyle and everything. So I figured that with them long hair piece, now poor Rex would turn in them grave. Turn, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, he was around to see a lot of it. So. <laughs> well, the thing about it, as I said, though, the, 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 it is, if I, I, away from West Indian Company, that was managed, the, all the managers and the, the CEO and the doctor, they were white people, right? And the next set of property owners, they were um, the mulatto, the um, Bakraman, and so most of them were, were, were um, brown-skinned people, right. and there was a distance between themselves and the normal village people right. in that they could drive car and we ride donkey and so on. So there was always some of that, but you never, 
You just, I don't know, me, maybe I was naive or maybe that was naive. My mother was somebody who, from early, tell you that you can do everything regardless of who you are. So she drives a sort of confidence in me that I never think anybody right. was better because of the color. You figure you can mm. do whatever you want exactly. anyway, so, so it wouldn't mm. matter. Yes. I was going to ask you if you felt like the fact that everybody in the community probably would have had similar, the village people would have a similar status. Yes. That even if they were of lighter complexion or Indian, mm. that, that unified you? In a way, even like, the, you could say even the poverty unified you in a way because you were living it, a common life? It unified you to a certain extent, but let me give you a personal story. Mm-hmm. My own grandmother, she had two grandchildren who were white and they were my aunt's children. And one day she said to me, um, and when you say white, mixed with black, but leaning more to white or white? Well, the, 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 my aunt was black, mm-hmm. and they were um, Jamaica people say high color. High color. It mm-hmm. was very light, very very light. Light, um, and they had curly rather than hair like mine. They had straight hair, mm-hmm. and so my grandmother looked at me and said, "See all, Mas Paul, which one of the guy them name when." Wipe him foot and you lay tell her around because you see my eye color. Mm-hmm. And this is my own grandmother who mm-hmm. was not white. That's my mother's mother. Mm-hmm. And I was vexed with her until now about it, you know, because they, that, those two children, you know why they were white? Because my aunt leave country, come to town and had babies with sailor. And right. so it's in the end, now we find out, say, hold on, but this woman was a prostitute. <laughs> you know? That is my aunt, you uh-huh. know. And yet, my grandmother accepted them more than she accepted me. Because of the color. Because, because of the color. They're color. Right. <laughs> yes. Very interesting. Move on now to, coming up now, now moving on, because you went to a couple places, including boarding school and stuff. Yes. When would you say you started to recognize a bigger difference between color, social class, and culture, because then you would have moved to Kingston eventually. Yes. Um, you have any distinctive moments in that journey coming up when maybe? I still think I was lucky in that most of the time when I was at whichever school, because I, I board at different time. I leave home from 16 and I've never been back. And when I went to school agriculture, maybe we had the biggest mix in that we had Chinese border, we had very light skin. I can think of one, two, three, about four people in my class mm-hmm. that were really light, mm-hmm. you know, and um, they could pass, I call them Jamaican white. Mm-hmm. And then, but we never really see any problem because we're all together. We all Jamaican. Together, Jamaican. <laughs> and the boarding school had a system where people have their chores and people rag you, so you all get cut down to one's eyes, right, even if you right, had anything in right. your mind before. Right, the school created mm. a, a space of, of sameness, especially because yes. it was boarding school, so everybody the, used the same bathroom. Same. Yes, and when we went in at first, people came in with them ears, I am a Casey and I'm a JC and I'm a, right. you know, and I'm a or all that, and I am a guy from Nakalva. So, uh, so we used to have that at first. But the system was such that it's as if they designed it to equalize you. Mm, you right. can't wear any different fancy clothes. Right. You wear similar clothes. You, you live in the same dorm. Not, you uniform, not really, not really uniform but... by that. But you live in the same dorm, right? And you have, if you reach late to dining room, the same you don't get no food. Mm-hmm. You get the same food. So it really 
helped a lot in equalizing all the people. But when we went in first, there were some persons, you know, trying to who, differentiate who tried them their <laughs> best. I'm talking to you know, I can't think of some of them. But after we graduate and even now as old men, I mean everybody just cool. Yeah. So yeah. it it's I would be happy if a lot of Jamaicans went to things like that boarding school and camp mm-hmm. and cadet mm-hmm. and, and, mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. army and so on, you yeah. know? Yeah. Because it it, it, it um, helps to equalize you. And that's a nice thing about our school with uniform. Right. Because if we never have uniform, some people... We'll come they, dress up, dress yeah, up. Yeah, in the hats, brand name and all right. that, and make the others feel, feel, less feel left out yeah. and less than. Mm. But now you're the question you asked me. So that never troubled me. And then when I start to work... It didn't trouble me either. Now, in 1968, I had a job just before going to university, and then I was sent abroad on a short job-related training course. Mm-hmm. And when I was there, it was in Jacksonville. Now, this is a year when the first time I had a TV in my room watching Mexico Olympics live and see my favorite like John Carlos and Tommy Smith waving black power salute mm-hmm. and they send them home right mm-hmm. and I decided that I was going to go to church and the guy who says no you can't go to the church them don't accept black people in that church right I would have to go down the village to a Pentecostal or the Baptist church mm-hmm. but the church that was near um, I couldn't go and That was there. 1968 in that Jacksonville, Florida. Jacksonville, Florida. Mm-hmm. Same year that Martin Luther King um, got, got killed. Yeah. And so the heat Kids, was yeah. really on and you're in the deep south, you know. And so that was, I said, hold on, people can't go to church because you're black. I never know this, right? And then now, like a week later, I had to fly. It was on United Airline from Jacksonville to Pittsburgh. And... I had a seat beside a white fellow. And the questions he asked me, at that time I never take it as any big deal. But later on, you look back, he must have figured, what are you doing on a plane? Right, um, right, right, right. You know, it was unusual because, for him. Unusual because I think I was the only black person in that plane, right? And so this was so, he didn't say anything. But when I look at the Trumpism now, I say, oh, this guy must be one <laughs> type. You know? America great again, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, yes. And and he was like he was interviewing me for a job, you know. Yeah. You know, what I do, what my qualification. But him really was trying to dig but, deeper um, to figure deep out deep why you are in this why space. I'm of, here because of, the average yeah. American black wouldn't be, wouldn't wouldn't be, be on a plane. Right, right, right. right. At that time. And, and not only that. I was the only person in the plane that was black. Mm-hmm. You know, so I was sitting And that time him. you would have been a doctor. No right. man, that, that is that is before the year. What you say it was for? Is, what was the course? It's a course in lumber technology. Lumber technology, I was work, agriculture days. Mm-hmm. No, past agriculture. I was working at Woolmanized Lumber down in um, Hardware and Lumber. Well, it really was Leonard de Cordova, mm-hmm. and they sent me to do a course in lumber technology. And that course had three parts it had Jacksonville, Pittsburgh, and Akron in Ohio. And so one part was seen observing lumbering yeah. and cutting board. Another part was observing formulation of chemicals that he used to treat. So that was up at Carnegie Mellon in Pittsburgh. These were like short little 
you know, on the job course. And then the last part was literally today, treating lumber. And um, having said that, even though I don't see some of that, they treat lumber with fire retardant, that if a house catch a fire and you don't maintain the flame, the, wooden, the wood wouldn't burn. Right. And we don't have that here. Because they had to do that in order to get insurance. Interesting. Mm-hmm. It, it's funny you mentioned how having an overseas experience colored mm-hmm. um, your perception of race. Cause, and I would think from then it would have changed till now. But the same thing happened to me when I went to college too. I had a lot of unique experiences yes, only in yes. the US mm-hmm. that I wouldn't have experienced mm-hmm. before as a Jamaican. That made, actually I was very naive in the beginning until it happened over and over, over and over. then you start to say, but this can, can be mm-hmm. a one-off situation. Yes, not a coincidence. Not a coincidence. And, 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 uh, and it is done in a subtle way. Well, the British better at it than everybody else. I mean, the Americans, they will tell you off. Yeah. Uh, you know, but the British are so politely... Politely racist. racist. <laughs> Sometimes. You know? uh, because when I went to the postgrad now in the mm. UK... It's as so a happened, doctor, right? Yeah, as a doctor now. It so happened that a South African was on the ward with me. Yeah. And he had openly said to a nurse that no black people have the same intelligence... Like white. No. If something was done, right, and he didn't know there was a nurse and the ward was really set on, you know, and devil's advocate and then says, Well, so why you don't ask Dr. Godfrey? Right, <laughs> you know? right, right. And that he became from white to red. Right. Because she knew he would always trouble him. And that yeah. time South Africa was in the throes of apartheid. Right. So he was Very behaving passionate. the way he Knew right, it, right, you know, right, right, right. and wonder how he and I together in the same world and I doing better than him. But I had, had a lot of experience at Jubilee and Spanish Town and all that. And he, yeah. yeah, him just learning. I must have been very challenging, <laughs> for, challenging for him. <laughs> challenging for him because he was the one who, who who made statement about inferiority as far as intelligence of black people, right, right? right? And so he had to swallow his word when every time you're going to theater, you come out and you've done your work. And him struggling still. Right, you know? right, right, mm. right. How about um, medical school? And I guess it's the same thing with the mixing of people. I figure medical school, oh, no, you have people from the it, Caribbean it at was, the time it too? Was, it, no, it was more mixed than, was, than no. Because when I went to UA, which is 50 years ago, mm-hmm. They never have no whole lot of campus other than engineering and agriculture. Right, and right, right, right. So right, we had right. most so of our class. The, the medical most campus. Of the, yes, most of our class had chiefly Jamaicans. We didn't even have 100 people in our class. Chiefly Jamaican. Next, maybe Trinidad. Then Barbados. Then Ghana. And the islands scattered out. Even the current PAHO um, executive director. Dr. Curry said, that is in my class, right? Mm-hmm. And so you find out that we had a nice mix. And we didn't have a lot of color again. It was a lot of the Indians came from Ghana and Trinidad. So they were Caribbean So, so we had natives, the, they were right? Caribbean people. And I would say if there was any sort of clannishness, it was between black and Indian rather than white. Right, oh, right, And in right. my class, you had two white Americans who came to Jamaica to do, me, to do medicine. medicine. And one of them was cool, drink, keep a beer, get drunk and all that. Yeah. And one of them was, I don't know if it was shy or was prejudiced, but you never really get out much with most people. But we didn't pay many men. He was either. probably just not you a know? very social person. Yes, um, yes, And yes. what, um, 
What about the move from country to town? Okay, you know that is always a big conversation for no, people who come from country and how Kingston is different. No, that is that is. What big is deal. that change now like that, for you? <laughs> that is big deal. But the thing about it is that um, I moved from country to town was gradual, so it wasn't just a big culture shock. <laughs> yeah, you but, made your way across just, the yeah, island. Yeah, <laughs> I made my way across the island. I was at Twickenham Park at school agriculture, so when weekend. And other time, like movies downtown, usually catch a bus and go to go to Caribar or when Baron Lee playing down at Victoria Pier on a Saturday afternoon, you go down there. That's pre-soca Baron Lee. That is a band. Yeah, man, music, that is music, early music. Baron Lee and Tommy McCook and right. all that. It was a regular thing right down at the end of Victoria Pier mm-hmm. um, to have a Saturday afternoon concert. And then go down there. Two reasons you got to listen to music and to look at the girls. I mean, them crinoline. Crinoline, <laughs> <laughs> of all the, the things. skirt so broad oh. that if you're dancing with them, you have to stay about two feet. <laughs> we can't yes, so, so you we say, were talking about that. So, you say you, you so the transition to, was smooth, right? From, the transition from town to country from was... Con- real country to boarding to Twickenham Park, which is not far from Kingston. Right. You know, so we used to take the... Bus, there were three buses going Spanish Town, Bronx, Western Flyer, and Penoverland Express. They had Those names. were the three buses. <laughs> and not numbers. And they were pretty red and blue and all kind of paint. Mm. And they stopped running at about 10 30 at night. So you better get on the last bus. And then I can imagine uh, West Milan, well, it wouldn't be West Milan then. then that was just going to Twickenham Park. Park, yeah. Yes. But then we, start, we come to live in town now and start to work. I never have right as EV, you know. As I leave school agriculture, Friday, start work Monday, you know. Mm-hmm. Never apply for a job in my life, right? Mm-hmm. Because this thing just happened and it just flew. Mm-hmm. That's not quite true. Mm-hmm. I'd apply for the wood preservation job. But overall, but overall you say you flow from, what, from, from, from one, one thing, thing to, to another mm-hmm. automatically. And so that was when, now, believe it or not, there were a lot of prejudices Outside here, if you're going to Barclays Bank, which is now NCB, mm-hmm. and you know Barclays is in UK still, right, and, right. and even down Eastern Caribbean, right. and if you're going to Barclays Bank, all they tell us, everybody behind the counter was either white or Chinese, and that's a white, Jamaica white people are Chinese, right. and then... So it was a very deliberate hiring process too. That Woolworth Times store, right. it seemed as if, right, I mean I was looking a lab, no work, but it seemed as if... When you go in there, all of these people who were in those positions were in those positions look the same. Look the same. Yeah. Right? They weren't like we who buy in and get in served mm-hmm. until that started to change gradually. Mm-hmm. You know? And even 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 companies. I mean the companies would preservation, the company I used to work. I mean the manager was David Henderson and his qualification, he used to be an engineer and a ship, right? Actually, I was a person working under him and was more qualified than him. Right, right, right. right. Uh, which was one of the reasons I left. Because when I leave, I left because I wanted to go to university. For what reason, I don't know. I just get fed up working with a man that getting better paid than me. And, and you so, know more than him. I know, I know more. <laughs> so I was planning to go to university to get a degree. Right. Never matter what degree. Right, just to have so, the paper to yes, ensure that. To move up. Right. Which, as you know, no, I'm bitterly against the education system because it is geared to pass exam rather than to learn. Right, right, right. Which is true. Mm. Let's only be learn on the owner with YouTube and, and courses. Yes, now yes, online, yes. internet change, everything about that. Well, I 
remember going to Finland and see some little children in basic school. And them not book anything. They just let them rule and they, they create so many things. The teacher just walk around and see what they're doing. Yeah. Because later on, they start to put them, guide them on to things, you know. And we don't do that. <laughs> well, of, of course, without calling any, any names, you, you can think of any interpersonal, classist st- issues that, that were that stood out to you moving from country to town or even as you're climbing up the ladder because I guess you're doing better, you're earning more money, you're making investments, mm-hmm. you, your life is changing. You I, know, I am I'm lucky. I'm lucky. The truth, I, I have not had a person. I know of cases mm-hmm. where people got promotion over people and people who weren't as qualified. Um, the one who got promoted was not as qualified as the black one, Right? And I know of cases like that, and that is what my lot in the bank. Mm-hmm. But as I say, me personally, I sort of never have no problem. It's as if I, I go university just because I want to go university, save my money, go university, and then eventually apply and do medicine when I was at university, which I did. All, all that was accidental. And I remember going to UWE, and one day there was a person who was a counselor. He interviewed me and asked me, what my father name and all that because there was this thing wherein a lot of person had links. Right, you know? right, 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 and right. I wasn't a politician son. Right. And I wasn't a teacher son or an inspector of police. So he was trying to so dig, dig into your dig family into history to so, see. So, and I tell him straightforward, you see the, the trouble is when by the time I reach university, I was adult drive my own car and all that. So and you live lot of, uh, live a lot of life. Right? Yeah, so mm-hmm. so so then people couldn't phase me. You know, if you leave straight from High school, high school, or university, you still see yourself like kind of green, like a green, and mm-hmm. a and the, and the, and the teachers are still like masters over you. Mm-hmm. By that, I was independent. What I do, and so I tell him straightforward. I remember I tell him, "Why you know my parents? In <laughs> They're not in your class." Then, right, right, right. <laughs> that time you should tell him, "Got you was Scottish." That's what you should tell him. <laughs> yes, I should have. I didn't tell you him. Never. I just told him. And you know, afterward, he, he might have been a person who influenced me to do medicine in the end, right. in that he gave a talk once and said, well, you're in this university, and many of you came here to do different things, and then you find out that midstream, you might change, you know? Well, and yeah. anybody here can do anything. Okay, so and he so still had an optimistic outlook. Yes, no, he was a nice person, yeah, just that he wanted to him like see to, if, yeah, if you had... If you're coming from good stock, right, <laughs> right, right, to them. right. <laughs> you know, it's funny how um, in time they put pretty names and things that always existed. So, so now what you are describing in your career journey is what mm. you refer to as universal flow, yes, where you yes. kind of just but allow but life to take you to yes. however you move. If you yes. want to do agriculture, you do it. Mm. If you feel pulled to medicine, you just mm. try it and you just kind of move with it. Would you say socially you were fortunate to just meet? people who were good people yes so yes, so that so yes. that prevented you protected you in a way from a lot of the discrimination and the stories of yes, classism yes you just I, met good people yes met a lot of good people along the way first one was my primary school teacher gentleman named mary always saying tell me that he want me to go and become a road scholar and all that of course, my mother was powerful influence because my mother her theory was that because I was always sick and she have to be taken with the doctor. She said, why are you too weak? You, know, you can't do manual work, so you better take your book. <laughs> 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 so 
so she steered she steered you away so from training me away from doing manual a lot of, although i end up doing a lot, a of, lot of it anyway yeah but everything they wanted me to do i didn't because my mother wanted me to do a teacher i didn't go although i i, I had applied to go to michael my father wanted me to do a minister of religion and i didn't become a minister of religion Instead, I as went interesting to, as and he was the farmer i never thought he would have wanted to go that direction but he, yeah, was, he became very religious or was always no, man, very religious always religious as a matter of fact although he was an anglican my mother ended up winning him over and he became seven-day adventist more than she was a seven-day adventist right, right, in right. the end but then again the woman always win you know so, <laughs> what so. month was he born again my father yeah i was think me me okay mm-hmm. right yes and all right so Overall, it would seem that you were you lived a comfortable life in terms of your racial perception. So you were never ever insecure about your blackness. No, I have not. And then, then when you got, you, you get older now. I think it is more not me, but people. I have seen a couple times, and it's not one time it happened. And I could call Jamaican name where somebody was referred to me mm-hmm. as a person who is a specialist in an area, and they were. A bit surprised to see this little black man, right? Right, right because right. you know, um, so they say, "Oh, I never know." I said, "Doctor, but you look," and, <laughs> and then I'm tempted to be rude and say, "Well, I'm not big, tall, and white." Uh, right, right, right. But you leave it alone. <laughs> but I leave it alone. <laughs> I mean, and I have to throw this in for people to, for the, cause my friends know how you are. That you still, um, even though you're a doctor, that you're still the type of person who will go into the market, you will take public transport, you will take taxi, well, that best, you don't have any ears about those things. Well, the nice thing to do is to catch a J-O-T-C, but you, <laughs> get some, you get some stories <laughs> that you never have in Red Hills, and I know all my buses from downtown. And at 30 come to Pembroke Hall, 31 come to Duane Park, 46 and 47 come up. Crossroads, right, and, right, right, and, right, and and I take them to Chancery Street and take the little bus now. Come up the come hill, come up the hill, and I remember. Uh, I know you listen. Go, hey, go when you take the little bus, come up the hill. They get even more stories. Not only that, sometimes you have to be right. And that's those buses um, are not COVID friendly. How are them coping in the pandemic? Though, I don't are know. they? Are I've they? Taken they, it, taken it they since, can't pack them up. No, same since way. since the, uh, the the pandemic. And, that's a good and, question. I don't, I don't I'm not sure. It. Yeah, I don't take it, but I remember. <laughs> Taking it and then you write and then somebody arm, yeah. Man and it smells strong. <laughs> <laughs> um, that is interesting. Um, it reminds me of the episode. I know you listened to this one with mm. Simone Brown who said she doesn't drive and she still mm. takes public transport because for her it is important to kinda keep yes, her foot yes. on the ground and be and, in touch. And with if I was into something that I was somebody who produced things. Right, like, like a write filmmaker, and a writer. filmmaker and do play. I would be out in the I streets because that's where all of the yes. all of the life is. Yeah. And let's face it, between you and I, as you know, mm-hmm. when I in UK and things I've got Paris, I've got China, I go, it's not car driving. I take public transportation. Yeah. So when I'm here, I'm not afraid of it. And the most things I'm afraid of is that one occasion, shortly after I, <laughs> I was about to take a bus, I was everybody jumping off. And one guy was on there with gun having people. Right. I was on it. Right. But they were getting out when I was planning to get in. Right. So you let them protect. Never use. Dodge that one. Um, but, but before you, you, you move on, mm-hmm. they, they, I was saying something about the race. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we have had a few, I mean, people from white people who I've seen as patients. And some of them are not Jamaican, like English or American or 
one of my good friends, she was from Hungary mm-hmm. and thing. And so that was was and, and, and when they come and see you and you're going to do something major for them, like surgery. Sometimes they research in you before they even come to you. Right, right. You know? So they Because right. they think I don't know if it's because Yeah, what if they they could just be research oriented and, exactly. and it might be cultural too that they yes. would be more mm. inclined to check you out before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and they are and some of the Jamaican ones too. Some of the very light skin a certain group mm-hmm. and you make a diagnosis and it's something that you could easily treat here right. for a fraction and then they call you back and say that if you can refer them give you a letter the result because they take you to Florida or mm-hmm. to some place mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and I like to make them go on because suppose me go do it and they get complication then it would so, be because yeah. it was from usually it was most, usually most of the complication is the other way around <laughs> they go there and they come back with the complication right and I guess all of that again is, is really us playing our little game in our mind that yes. we think that there's yes. better elsewhere yes. yeah that is people's individual struggle yes that is yeah it. that and, is and, our individual and, thing and I mentioned hunger that Hungary and Russia were two more of my thing. I forget them. And I went to Hungary way back in 1981 on a family planning fellowship. Mm-hmm. And I was staying at a place and I was the only black person around. And although anybody didn't say anything, well, I never know Hungarian, but you know people body language. And you have a few people that speak English. And you know that some people were really not so much into you. And that time in 1981, people from Eastern Bloc, who have not been exposed a lot because they were all a part of communist Russian USSR. They were prejudiced both in terms of color and against people from the West. Right. And so although that nobody did me anything, I remember being on a train and I was supposed to be met by a Jamaican who was studying in Hungary. And they, his girlfriend asked him, how the guy was me? And the Jamaicans said, well, he's the only black person going to come off on that tree. <laughs> and so said so. Right. <laughs> Not hard to find it. Yeah. And the next time was I was in a, with a group of doctors, chiefly from the States, in Moscow. I went to the Great Bolshoi to watch opera. And me as my wayward self break away from the group and on my own. And one guy come and he was really looking aggressive. And the person who was our tour guide come and run him off and then tell me that he was being rude. But mm-hmm. me, no, 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 Russian. Right, so, me, so you never I knew he, and he wasn't saying, Something hey, nice. You? <laughs> but, but that was another thing. Right. That, that, that way he came right up in face and face with the devil. <laughs> How you feel about the black issues that happen happening now? Like Black Lives Matter, um, George Floyd, like all of the things oh, that you see I, now at your stage in life, what it what does it make you think? About? I, I didn't think it would still be happening because if in 1968 I could not go into a church where everybody worshiping the same long hair hippie looking God, right? Mm-hmm. And I couldn't go into that church because of racism. I think that would have been gone long time. Right. And so why I am one of the person upset and the truth about it. I went to university at a time when black power ruled, right? So my feeling about these things is very strong. Mm-hmm. Right? And so if I was there, maybe I would be at the front of the, the, the protest, protest line. protest as yes, well, right? Yes, as well. And maybe if I was there, I wouldn't be alive because maybe I would be getting involved in things that, <laughs> that would be... <laughs> that anchor. would get you behind, that would behind get the bars. Trouble, yes. um, you mentioned... Um, 
I had a question right at the top of my head. Um, I was going to ask you, you mentioned the fact that, you know, every now and again you have a little brush with somebody who might want to question mm-hmm. your abilities based on how you look. Mm-hmm. Would you say you ever had moments where you had to prove yourself or felt to prove yourself or to correct anybody? No, really, not really. I mean, the closest I came to that was that little South African fella, Van der Werwin from yeah. South Africa. And looking back, he had come straight out of apartheid. And uh, him and... Him never have no chance. That was his perspective. Yeah, he, and, he and a black fellow were doing the same thing on the same ward. And all he has ever known is And all he has ever known yeah. is white run things. And mm-hmm. if you're in there, you're black, you used to... Even when Wayne and I went to South Africa, you know, we stayed at a hotel in Sandan City. And that was just about three years after South Africa got its independence when Mandela took over. And everybody in that hotel except the the room attendant and the people who mopped the floor. Right. Everybody behind the desk. All of them was white. White, eh? mm-hmm. I don't know what it is like you now because that's a few years. Probably has changed but, a but, bit you now. Know, everybody was white. <laughs> Alright, well as we as we come to the end, I guess I always liked when, when I ask people to give just advice and just commentary and for people young people growing up in Jamaica particularly, mm-hmm. black people who may have issues with their colour and how it and their social class and how it tied together. What you would say to them as someone who has come from rural Jamaica and moved to Kingston and made a better life for yourself, what would you be advice to maybe your Teenage self or, yes. or young 20-year-old self? My advice is, is um, the same advice my mother told me when I was little, um, as I said to you, is that anything anybody can do, you can do it and maybe even do it better. So it, if, if it has been done before, it can be done again. Yeah. And the thing to do is to get out a complex, because in Jamaica, is, the complex is not so much racial. I think... The fact is that I'm one of the persons, maybe naive, who believe in our motto. I mean, Jamaicans are Jamaicans. You know, we're not Afro-Jamaica or right. China-Jamaica China, or Indo-Jamaican. <laughs> we're Jamaican and everybody is not where you're coming from. That matter is where you're going. And that will be my parting shot, you know. I like that. I don't have anything else to say. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dad. Always a pleasure talking to you. And I think they'll, they like this one too. I know you haven't listened to my episode yet, but now after doing this one, you'll mm-hmm. see how the, con- the yes. contrast will be interesting. You're but, welcome. But thank, thanks as usual for your yes, time. Man. Yes. All righty. Yeah, man. Good. <laughs> You've just listened to episode number 51 of Talk Truth with me, your boy, Maria Evan. And that was my dad's black experience, which was very interesting to me and a conversation I really enjoyed. And if you contrast it to my episode last week, which was my black experience, in a way you realize that decades have passed and so many things remain similar, even though we had somewhat different experiences And that remains interesting to me. And I'm glad that we're able to have these conversations in a black Caribbean Jamaican context so that you in the world who don't come from this side or if you experience it yourself, will get a bit of perspective on what the different generations experience in this context. Thank you again for listening. Thank you for always supporting and of course, follow us on all our social media. It's mainly everywhere. T L K T R T H. That's at 
T-L-K-T-R-T-H, that's Talk Truth Without the Vowels, except for the website, which is TalkTruthJA.com, and the email address, which is TalkTruthJA at gmail.com. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, as it really helps to make a difference in how these episodes do online. I really would appreciate some reviews. And like last week's episode, I loved, I love that people really took the initiative to put comments under the Instagram post. This episode will also eventually have a video component which will come up on YouTube so you can actually see Dad and I having the conversation in real life. So look out for that. But until then, check out this audio, check out the audio version on YouTube, subscribe to my channel on YouTube and just show us a lot of love. We really appreciate it. So you just listen to Talk Truth and I'm your host, Mario Evan. And this is the place where your truth shall become your power and set you free. Until next time, big up on yourself.